Well, I have my friend come on on over, Chris Thrasher Wheatley. Yeah. Yeah, Good if you morning. know if you know him, woos and claps and 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 cheering is appropriate because this this guy is precious to this house. He, um, he's a faithful servant of the Lord with IV. That's inner uh, inner varsity. I almost said something entirely different. I don't even know what that <laughs> inner was. Inner inner varsity. Yeah. I know what it is, and, and and I know what you guys do. They work with college kids uh, on and off campuses. Really, InterVarsity does that around the world, but um, but here in, in our area, it's our it's a regional thing for you guys, yep. you and your wife, and so we're really excited to have him this morning to talk more about wisdom. I love this. I shared this uh, at our first service, and I'll share this again. I I love this about Chris. He he's got some authority, I think, in this area that he he lives a life full of wisdom. He he. He seeks God out. He listens to what God says and at least tries. That's right. <laughs> tries to live that out. Tries to go for the long distance run in his life. And, and it's one of my favorite things about him. It's why we don't get to spend a lot of time together because we're both pretty busy. But like when we do, I, I soak it up. Because this is a guy who oozes wisdom and knows, knows what that experience in his life is like. So let me pray for, for yeah, you this yeah. morning if I can, yeah. and, uh, and then let's get to it. Father in heaven, we thank you for the blessing of having Chris here this morning to share your, your wisdom, to share, share your ideas, your truth about wisdom, about what wisdom is, about how to seek it out about how we need to avoid folly and the traps of not having wisdom in our life. And so would you enlighten us this morning? Would you inspire us this morning as your words come through Chris? Holy Spirit, would you have your way? Would you release Chris from any stress, pressures that he may or may not have right now? Would you give him the freedom to just be in communion with you as he shares with us this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Chris. Nice words. Appreciate that. Uh, good to be in the house this morning. Also good to see everyone online. Uh, wow, what a good day to be alive. So we finished a series on the three kings of Israel. Uh, Andrew did most of the preaching on that. We looked at the different characters, Saul, David, Solomon. And then we're doing a short kind of wisdom snippet because Solomon wrote most of the book of Proverbs. So we're sitting in Proverbs before launching into another series in the fall. And uh, I love how Miguel de Cervantes described a proverb. So here's his definition. A short statement based on a long experience. Long experience distilled down into a short statement. Basically in the season under God's tutelage, we can then distill down all the powerful things we've learned into one statement. And that's what Solomon is attempting to do in the book of Proverbs. There's a lot of Proverbs. And so when Andrew said, pick a proverb, it's like, which one do we choose? So I'm gonna leave you with, I'm gonna give you three that didn't quite make the cut, but I enjoy. So as I get older, I appreciate verses like this. Gray hair is a crown of splendor. It's attained by living in a way of righteousness. It's a great one. Love that one. What about this one for all you parents out there? I'm starting to use this one on my kids. 
Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. Sometimes I retranslate that. Than a pepperoni pizza. Hasn't worked yet. Uh, and then uh, the, uh, there's a bunch on marriage as well. This is a good one. Uh, better to live on a corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Solomon did not deal with 100 degree days. So I don't know if he would say that in Chico, but it's a lot of those kind of Proverbs. But the vast majority of the book is just dripping with wisdom that just, I, you know, it just really sits with me. I read through um, the entire book in one sitting just to try to figure out how does the whole book read? Because a lot of them, it's like proverb to proverb to proverb. They kind of switch topics. It's more of a reference book. But the whole of it is beautiful. In today's sermon, uh, we're going to be sitting in the topic of foolishness. Say, all right. Yeah. Hopefully, how to not be a fool. So you can turn to the person next to you, give them a little elbow and be like, hey, I think you're going to want to listen up for this one. So as I read through the book of Proverbs, there's these two mega themes that, that jump out off the page. Wisdom and folly, the wise person and the fool. The wise person appears 64 times in the book of Proverbs. The fool appears 72 times in the book. And oftentimes they appear together playing off each other. So for example, here's a proverb, Proverb 3, 35. The wise inherent inherent honor, but fools only get shame. So most of the time, they're kind of like in between like that, playing off of each other. And this is how the book of Proverbs would define wisdom. Receiving God's instruction and then following it unto fulfillment. So hearing from the Lord in his scripture and prayer through through your community, the hearing from the Lord and then following it out however long that takes. So wisdom isn't the same as being smart. It's not like showing up with your degrees and talking about how educated you are. That's not wisdom. Wisdom is actually from the Lord. And as you take it in and you live it out, it becomes a part of you in your life. Conversely, conversely, here's how Proverbs would define folly. Ignoring, being oblivious to, or flat out rejecting God's invitation for a seemingly easier shortcut. Okay? So you kind of hear God, maybe you ignore God, and then all of a sudden an easier route shows up and you're like, hey, I'll take that. That looks good. A lot easier than what God was asking me to do. And guess what? It doesn't work out and you become foolish. So if wisdom is taking God's instruction and walking it out over time, foolishness is kind of indifference or rejection of what God is saying and then making hasty reactions and shortcuts in life. All right, does that make sense? Proverbs 15, a fool despises the father's instruction. And in this case, the divine father himself to to just say, I don't really need to hear from what God says. So we often think um, a helpful metaphor for us as humans is to think of life as a path. And uh, as Christians, we talk about our walk with God. And in this case, Proverbs is saying there are two distinct paths. One towards wisdom 
prudent, upright, humble. These are all words that we hear in Proverbs to describe this path. And then the other, foolishness, unwise, sometimes wicked. The word proud is used to describe this path. To receive instruction or to deny it. And it's a path that we walk down. Proverbs 28 says, those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. Those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. Proverbs 14 says, the fool is reckless and careless. In other words, you keep moving. It's a pattern. It's a bunch of little decisions in your life, but you're actually traveling in a direction. Some of you are like, but surely, Chris, as Christians sitting in church, do we even have to talk about foolishness? Because Christians should be automatically wise, right? 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 And people who aren't Christian, who don't know God at all, shouldn't be able to follow his instructions. They're fools. So clearly that's how this thing should play out. But if we've read our scriptures, how many people, how many characters that clearly know God in the scriptures act a fool? All but one. (laughs) Yes, most of them. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of God's people do foolish things. Solomon, the author of Proverbs, or most of the Proverbs, he makes it clear as he writes that he's writing to the people of God, instructing them to avoid foolishness. And he tells us it's difficult to stay on the wise path. It's actually much easier to fall into foolishness. And spoiler alert, Solomon, the end of his life, actually does fall into foolishness. We're told in scripture, he's the wisest of God's people. But by the end of his life, living with his hundreds of wives and concubines, Solomon is led into idol worship. And the kingdom of Israel collapses. That's heavy. And I think everyone gets the dynamic. Wisdom, folly. The interplay has been has been with us since the beginning of time. The wise person and the fool. One person persevering God's instructions. The other one ignoring our shortcuts. Sermon over. Boom. Wisdom fool, choose your path. Let's go home. There's just one big problem though. And I have an illustration. Okay, this is a participation time, okay? So what we're gonna do in a minute is I'm gonna have everyone stand up and we're gonna have all the wise people go to this side of the church. Then we're gonna have all the foolish people go to that side of the church, okay? (laughs) I'm already over here. (laughs) I'm joking, I'm joking, we're not gonna do that. But what if we, okay, let's, let's, uh, let's expand it out. City of Chico, hey, City of Chico, you're listening. Tomorrow at noon, we're all gonna get in our cars and the wise people are gonna get on 99 North and then the foolish people are going to get on 99 South. I think you know what would happen. Bumper to bumper, 99 North. And the few people that are going South are like, look at all those fools in traffic. Why is that the case? It's because 
for the wise people, the people that have properly sat with God's instruction, taken years to learn the hard lessons of wisdom about money and relationships and all the things that God wants to teach, they would rightly choose 99 North. And then everyone else who's taken shortcuts and done all the, you know, ignored God, they would also choose 99 North because Proverbs tells us in, in chapter 12 and 26, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes. So if you are wise, you know you're wise. And if you're a fool, you know you're wise. We have a problem. We can't self-assess. It's hard. It's hard. We cannot self-assess. So just to kind of illustrate how easy it is to be a person of faith and still fall into foolishness, I thought it'd be helpful for me to just tell you some about my life and give you some snippets, zoom in on a couple points of where I've been kind of foolish. So let's go to 20-year-old Chris, okay? Are we okay with that, 20-year-old Chris? Uh, I had recently come to faith and I was very zealous, very excited. And I was living for God. Uh, the problem was I was in such a hurry to live for God that I hadn't learned quite yet how to really listen to him and like obey him. So I was doing a lot for him and it was creating havoc everywhere in my life. Uh, with my family, my immediate family, I was just every moment dropping like subtle things about God or at the dinner table, I would like push stuff on them. And my mom, dad, and brother are like, yo, calm it down. You know, I was just coming in hot and heavy. Uh, my dad for his birthday, you know, for his birthday present, I gave him the book, Letters from a Skeptic. It's like great birthday present. <laughs> My brother, there's one point where like, anytime I'm reading anything, the Bible, or in this case, I was reading a book from John Ortberg and I'm like, hey, Eric, you gotta hear this. And he's like, he's like, not one more word from you about God. No more, done, stop talking to me. I knew I should share my faith with them, but I just had zero patience in the process God had them on. And I was like a bull in a china shop. I went on a missions trip. So I spent six weeks in uh, Los Angeles in Skid Row working with the homeless population there. And I came back and I was just like, throw off materialism. I had seen so clearly, you know, I just, first thing I did was I took my flip phone and I threw it in the trash. I'm like, I am free to live for God. No one's calling me anymore. I'm just doing my thing. The only problem was, Anytime anyone wanted to get a hold of me, calling my roommate, hey, is Chris with you? My mom's like, call, my mom had like a list of phone numbers to call to try to find me. Everyone's annoyed. They can never really, they never really knew where I was. And it's just like, I just inconvenienced everyone. I didn't even ask the Lord if I should do that. I just did it because I felt like that's what I need to do. Um, that same year, uh, the, the, the guy that was mentoring me and helping me like learn how to lead Bible study for my friends, he said, you know, the beginning of the school year is really intense. So what I've done is I've, I've, I did a lot of work for you. I have these passages 
and I did all the research and I, I found all the commentary work and I put it all out there for you. And, you know, here's some like good questions on the passages and stuff. And I think it'd be really helpful for you because the beginning of the year is really busy and you could just use these passages and you could lead Bible study with them. And I was like, huh, thanks, Ryan. And then as we left the leader meeting, I crumpled it up and threw it in the trash as I looked him in the eye. said, I'll prep my own Bible studies, thank you. I don't know why I was throwing, I was throwing a lot of stuff in the trash. Um, I thought I was listening to God. I thought I was obeying him, but actually I was half listening and mostly ignorant of what he was trying to do in my life. And then here's the key, I was very impatient. In my zealousness, I was falling into foolishness. I kind of heard the instruction. I kind of got the idea, but I plowed forward and I hurt a lot of people. It's so easy to fall into foolishness as a human and as a believer. Here's a quick survey in the Old Testament. Adam and Eve, we know them, show of hands. Everyone know Adam and Eve, good. Given paradise by God. He tells them to live life with him. And he puts a tree of life in front of them. And then he puts a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he tells them this is the only thing they can't have. And in fact, you know, I remember having this realization when I studied Genesis a couple years ago. Just the fact that that tree's there is already teaching them about what's good and about what they can't have. Just the fact that that tree's there is already starting their process of learning about good and evil. The Lord's not holding that from them. He's gonna teach them. But then guess what? They get offered a shortcut to the knowledge of good and evil in the way of a serpent saying, hey, God's withholding from you. Just take and eat that tree and surely you'll be good. You'll see good and evil. You'll be like God himself. Offered a shortcut and they take it. Would we say that was a foolish move? Yes. What about Abraham? God told him, I'm gonna make you the father of many nations. Look at the stars, Abraham. That's how many descendants you're gonna have. Look at them all. And Abraham believed God and he lived it out for a while. But then he got older and he had a harder time believing God and following God's instruction on that. And so, Given a shortcut, he slept with his wife's handmaiden. That was foolish. And it actually initiated the nation of Islam. If you follow how that goes out. Talk about Solomon. I just mentioned him. His father, David. Lived a pretty good life, had some rough, foolish moments in there. And then at the end, it just all comes undone. So what I'm saying is, foolishness is actually easy to fall into, even for the heroes of the faith. And from our earlier exercise that I didn't make us do, it's actually really hard to self-evaluate and even know if we're acting foolish. So what are we supposed to do? Is there any hope? Does the book of Proverbs offer us any opportunity? Yes, there are two promises that I want us to anchor ourselves in today. 
It's been a rough sermon to this point. I know it's been hard to sit through, but here we go. Two promises that Proverbs gives us about foolishness and wisdom. Number one, wisdom is offered to everyone. And number two, community is the key. Number one, foolish or wisdom is offered to everyone. Number two, community is the key. In the 14th chapter, we're told, wisdom reposes in the heart of the discerning and even among fools, she lets herself be known. She's here for those that are wise and she's here for those that aren't. That fits really well with what we see in the New Testament about God offering wisdom to those who ask for it. Generously, we're told, he offers us wisdom. So whether you're the wisest person sitting in this church this morning or online, or if you've hit a couple of foolish speed bumps this last year, the Lord generously offers us an entry point to wisdom this morning. It just starts with wanting and asking for it. And then once he hands it to us, we sit with it, we persevere with it, and then we do that over a season or over a stretch of time. So here's a hypothetical, just to kind of make this concrete. Let's say that God invites us into a new way of thinking about money. Money shows up in the Bible a lot. And his intention is to help us become wise with money. So he's hoping that we actually become really wise with how we handle and steward our money. Now, he could just sprinkle magic pixie dust on us and make us instantly wise with money, but he doesn't do that. He never does that, actually. Uh, it would be reasonable for us to assume that he would actually take a stretch of time or season to teach us about money, where he gave us opportunities to trust what he says in his word about money, where we could actually be challenged and press through it, where we would get insights. It might take a few months. It might take a year. Some of you are financial guys in here. It might take multiple years to become wise with money, huh? That's a big one. Victorious moments where you've been patient with money. Hard moments where you make the faithful decision, just like Chris was saying about ties. Moments where he's like, I'm not sure how we were gonna put food on the table, but we, we were still generous. That's a moment of trusting God's instruction and walking it out. And then as you've done that over a season, it's then that you realize you haven't just learned about money, you've actually earned wisdom around money. Do you see the difference? A lot of people can tell you like a cool thought about money, but those of you that have listened to God's instruction and been faithful with your money for years, you've earned the wisdom that comes with that. It's different. And guess what? The Proverbs say that wisdom is offered so generously if we wanna receive it. That's the wise path, concretely talking about money. Or yesterday on Facebook, I saw an ad telling me that I could earn $8,000 a month sitting in my pajamas on the couch. Should we go that way? Seems a lot easier. There are so many offered shortcuts, y'all. There's so many moments where they're like, come on, this way's quicker and easier. 
And the Lord's like, no, please trust me. Walk this out with me. I want to do this with you. Hunger for wisdom, ask for it. And then let's commit to responding to what God's doing, no matter how long the season is that he gives us. There's no shortcuts. There's no easy fixes. Obedience and perseverance with God's instruction from his word in prayer through his community. So let's take 30 seconds and we're just gonna ask the Lord. What season do you have me in? What path are you inviting me into? Is it in money? Are you teaching me about money? Are you teaching me about relationships? Are you teaching me about my time? What area of your life, of our lives, is the Lord trying to give us wisdom if we'll receive it? So let's just take a moment and think. You can do this at home. I'll, um, I'll, I'll put my cards on the table. I, the one that I've been really persevering in, and it's been a really good season for me, is honoring my parents. And um, especially my mom has been in a, through a really tough season, actually. I won't get into the details, but um, what it looks like to, it's easy to honor someone in easy moments, right? But to really perse- persevere in life with my mom has been one of the, the biggest blessings to me in the last year, but it's also been one of the hardest uh, roads to walk. So that's for me. Honoring, honoring parents has been uh, the place where I'm trying to receive wisdom. The second promise out of, out of Proverbs is that to, to end up on the wise path, it's going to take community. Community will be key to us becoming wise. Proverbs 13 says, walk with the wise and become wise. But then it says, for a companion of fools suffers harm. The community is there to help us assess, right? We can't self-assess. We've already determined that. The community is there for us to, to, be a, to help assess us where we're at and then to correct us if we need correcting. The book of Proverbs tells us that there are only two ways. So Solomon says, there are two ways to deal with a fool. Okay, number one, rebuking. Correcting the fool. You tell them, hey, you need to, just to change your, your, your actions. And then if that doesn't work, Solomon's like, you need to flog him. The, the verse 26 says, a whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the backs of fools. I'm like, yow. Don't want to go that way. I'm just stating from up front. I think I have the power to say this. We don't flog people here at Neighborhood Church. Just want to say that for the, the online community too. But I think we should rebuke each other. I think we should. So let's get into that a little bit. Proverbs 17, a rebuke impresses a discerning person. A rebuke impresses a discerning person. So the role of community then is to help us discern where we're at and then correct us if we're straying from the path of wisdom. Proverbs 27, the kisses of an enemy may be profuse but faithful are the words of a friend. So enemies might flatter you up and down, but you actually want to have a friend cut you to the core, speak right into your life. 
shortly after the, the window of life I told you about earlier where I was acting foolish, um, I was, it was like, I don't know, my third year in college, and my roommate Nick, one of the wisest guys I, I know, and um, we had lived together f- for a few years, I was driving down to school to San Diego, and I had to pass through Los Angeles where he lived, and so I stopped and grabbed lunch with him. And that summer, I had becoming cooler, and so I had learned some, how to use like some cool swear words and you know, act all hip like I knew what was going on. And so we're eating lunch and I'm dropping some of those cool words that I had learned. And Nick just stops me and he goes, where did you learn those words? I'm like, oh, you know, Nick, it's been pretty cool this summer. He's like, it's not who you are. Just knock it off. Stop it. And then I got in my car and I started driving to San Diego. It was like an hour and a half drive. And I'm like, who does Nick think he is? telling me to knock it off. Nick's, Nick's just jealous that I'm so cool, you know? And I'm angry about him and I'm frustrated and I get about the halfway point and it just hits me. Whoa, Nick's the only person in my life that would have said that to me. He's the only person that would have looked at me and said, knock it off, that's not who you are, and rebuked me. And at first I was like, I'm not, I'm not hearing that. By the end of the car ride, I was praising God for my friend Nick and vowing to knock off the foolishness I was up to. We need people like Nick in our lives, don't we? Trusted advisors who can speak into us in moments just like that. They say things like, hey, you've seemed angry lately and kind of impulsive. Are things all right? You're like, we call me angry? Oh, I guess I am angry. <laughs> They'll say things like, I've noticed you're drinking a lot more. What's up? Or maybe they'll say, hey, that one friend you said was not a good influence on your life, they seem to be hanging around more. Is that a good idea? And you know what? Each of those moments, if you're the person receiving that question, you're like, oh, I don't know. I hate this. Ah, I don't. When you're getting rebuked, it does not feel good. But you know what? Those people are invaluable if you want to live a life on the path of wisdom. Amen? Amen. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It really matters who you pick as your community. We can have lots of acquaintances. You might be the social butterfly of Chico. You might know the entire town. But your core people, your advisors, The people who assess your life and help correct you when you stray, those people are rare and they are gems and we we need to hold on to them. We need to pick them carefully. Please vet the voices that you let speak into your life. I don't have to tell you, there are so many unwise voices flying around right now. You all know what I'm talking about. Half your Facebook feed is craziness. You know what I'm talking about. All those unwise people fighting for airtime on TV. Proverbs is clear. You get to choose your community and you get to ask the people in your life to speak into your life. Proverbs 27, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And if we're going to be a wise community that allows the Lord to really lead us down the path of wisdom, it first involves us asking him for wisdom, 
It involves us obeying him for a long stretch of time in that, in that particular place. And then it's a, invite a friend in. How am I doing with this? What do you see? Giving them the permission. You have, here's a card. You can call me out anytime you want. So here's the application. Who are my trusted advisors? Who are my trusted advisors? Is it time for a check-in? Grab lunch and say, hey, what do you see going on in my life? <laughs> it's a little checkup. Have, have I given them permission to call me out? Some of us think of people in our lives as our trusted advisor, but we've never told them. We've never given them the permission and said, hey, if you ever see me going a little squirrely, call me out. I need it. I probably won't react well in the moment, <laughs> but please call me out. So let's take a moment and think about this. Who are my trusted advisors? You may be thinking, wow, it's been a lonely season. Uh, the pandemic's made it harder to kind of be in connection with people. Maybe it's hard to find those trusted advisors. Here at Neighborhood, I've found quite a few. So that's just an encouragement. Get connected, get plugged in, join a, a community group, a life group. Find people, look at their lives, see how they live, and then say, hey, I want, I want to do life with you. Um, lastly, I just want to close. Um, he's not even here this morning. Pastor Andrew's on vacation. Praise God. That guy needs a vacation. <laughs> he works so hard. But I just want to end with honoring Pastor Andrew, even though he's not here today. Um, because as I was writing this sermon, I just had all these moments flashing in front of me of ways that he's chosen wisdom. And I think it's worth saying. Uh, we walked a long road with money and the church is debt-free. And I don't think we get there unless he pushes for that. So I just want to honor him for that. And then um, on relationships, I've seen him over and again go the extra mile to make sure he's right with people. Go out to coffee with them, check in on them. Uh, they've left our church and he still pursues them to see how they're doing. Uh, that's rare. Pastors don't do that. Andrew does. And I've really been thankful for that. He has received a lot of wisdom in what it looks like to reconcile, mend, or even keep relationship. And then the last thing I was thinking about as I was writing this is just um, his humility and leadership. Um, I've been on the, the governing board here at Neighborhood off and on for 10 years. And the amount of times, just in personal conversation or in meetings that I've heard him just say, hey, I want to make sure I'm seeing this right. Or does any of you want to speak into this just so that I can get more, more vo voices in this conversation? He's constantly asking for counsel. I just, I really appreciate that in a leader. So um, we're in good hands with our pastor, but also I look around this room, there are a lot of wise people here. So as an encouragement, um, let's seek wisdom as a church, y'all. And let's not be afraid of rebuke. Uh, it doesn't feel good, okay? But it's the, it, is, it is the best medicine for those of us that wanna be on the path of wisdom. So let me pray um, a blessing over our church, and then we'll be done. Lord, thank you for uh, the gift of wisdom. And 
Your word says that you offer it to us. And today we wanna receive it, Lord. We wanna receive it. Those of us sitting here in the dome, those of us online, we wanna receive the wisdom you have for us. And Lord, we wanna walk it out in however long the season is that you're offering it to us. We want wise advisors around us, Lord. Would you highlight the people that you have placed in our lives to be community, to be speakers of truth and wisdom into our lives? And Lord, would you give this church, would you give us the courage to receive correction when we're off, the courage to receive rebuke, to treasure it, and to walk the path of wisdom. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Great. Well, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for joining us online. Uh, We will be here next week.